we have finally arrived at talking about how the kingdom of God really comes. We've talked about uh, the other day how it does not come. Today, we're finally going to get to how the kingdom of God comes. Don't miss it. Welcome, and I'm so glad that you're here. We have finally arrived at an important point in these studies. And it means we're coming down to the end of this particular series of studies, which was uh, long. And some of it is uh, a little bit boring. But, you know, you're, I try to pride myself that this uh, All Things Apostolic and Wilson Live things attracts people who are mature learners. And mature learners learn that you have to take the boring with the good because everything has not always got the fireworks going off. You have to, but it's it's basic to the learning of the whole. So anyway, what we're on today is certainly not boring because we finally come to the point of uh, discussing the coming of the kingdom of God to the earth. Now, we've been discussing the ways that have been projected by people uh, or proposed by people that the kingdom of God is going to come to the earth. We've been discussing that. Uh, but it's all ways that do not match what the Bible says. And um, we've talked about the consequences of some of that. And... Um, uh, years ago, when the when the young man blew up, what was it, a, a multi-story building in Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, I believe it was, uh, and and killed a bunch of kids in a daycare that was in that big monolithic building, and uh, I think 160 people, if I recall right, uh, 163 people were killed uh, by this this young man. And uh, when they talked to this young man, they found out that he was from some militia group in the Midwest, and they found out that um, there were basic beliefs that he had that caused him to feel like he needed to do everything he could to tear down the American government, and that this act of riot gets and this act of killing people and destroying a major building uh, attracts attention and brings attention to the cause. And so, uh, and if they could do enough of those, then it would create a a domino effect and uh, bring down the United States government. That was the ultimate goal. As preposterous as that may sound, that is, that is how these people think. And, uh, but when you go back, there is a twisted theology that is kind of the ground floor of where these ideas come from and these actions occur that emerge out of these ideas. And when your ground floor, in his case, his ground floor idea was that um, if you're not white or if you're not from England or if you're not from America, uh, then you should not be leaders in the government because his idea was that white people are modern-day Israel 
and they are the kingdom of God, and they are to be the leaders in the earth of, of every government, but particularly of the United States and England. And um, so this is, a, this is a total misconception, but it is a misconception that still lives even today, although all the people that believe it are not militia and doing disruptive things. Uh, nevertheless, these, these concepts lead people to think that certain things are going to happen because we're the people it's going to happen to. It hasn't happened yet, so it's going to have to happen. Uh, but, but it's not going to happen because it's wrong. So, and then we've talked about there was a, there was a restorationist that thought it would take 33,000 years and, uh, to bring the kingdom of God to earth. And I suppose they're still around, and I think they're still teaching and uh, if the kingdom of God is going to come according to their doctrine, they're going to be teaching for a long more years, a lot more years. And um, uh, then there's, there's other concepts. We talked about liberation theology, Catholic priests in Europe that brought it to Nicaragua and to Central America. Um, and we talked about Daniel Ortega, was, is, who is now the president of Nicaragua, um, uh, and uh, the foment that took place there, we talked about Bill de Blasio, who was the mayor of New York, whose name is not Bill de Blasio, but he changed it, and he's, he's a communist, and he, um, uh, sometimes I think there's a difference in communists in America and some communists out here who actually are trusting the philosophy to bring about what they want it to bring about. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, I know that the irony is in Nicaragua and other places is it's not f- for the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church now works to try to tear it down. And uh, so what they fomented to try to get built up, when they got it built up, it didn't look like the kingdom of God version that they wanted. So now the attempt is to stand against it and tear it back down and try again. The, they, they can try it 50 times, but it's not going to bring the kingdom God, that's not how the Bible projects to us the kingdom of God is going to come to the earth. Very important to understand that. And, um, and we've looked at other ideas about how the kingdom of God was going to come to the earth. And so uh, the, the truth of the matter is, is that the Bible does talk to us about how the kingdom of God is coming to earth. And... Um, we want to look today of how that kingdom will come and how Jesus explains the coming of the kingdom of God to earth. Now, one of the things we want to remember that's just a little bit of rehash here, but is that the very first thing that John the Baptist said when he opened the new era uh, in which the New Testament was going to come, uh, well, the first thing he said was, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God was the issue. And that went through the land like lightning because the people in the Old Testament had been programmed by teaching for centuries that the kingdom of God was with Israel and that it was going to rise up and uh, that it was going to come at some point and that it was going to dominate the world and dominate the Gentiles and Especially since the time of the beginning of the Gentiles, there's a time in the Bible called the Times of the Gentiles. It started uh, in Israel between 700 and 600 uh, BC, and the Times of the Gentiles has gone ever since then, right through, right up to where we are. We're still in the Times of the Gentiles until the second coming of Christ, when He will come. He will break the back of Gentile power over 
his people. He will become their king and Lord, and Israel will be the head and not the tail. So the people had been taught all this uh, for, for centuries. So when John the Baptist comes and starts preaching this out in the desert like a wild man, uh, it rocked things. And that's why, you have, that's why you have Pharisees and religious leaders coming from Jerusalem out in the middle of the hot desert to talk to John and to hear him preach and to uh, discuss with him and to debate with him. So then when you look at Jesus in the beginning of his ministry, Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of God or heaven is at hand. First thing he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then when Jesus sends out the 70, if you look at it, you'll find out he says, go and preach for people to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. So the kingdom of God was a major, major, major subject. And when Jesus teaches about it, he actually starts and he, um, uh, they are they are expecting him to take the traditions of the kingdom of God. Uh, that was the the traditions at his time was the uh, apocalyptic version of the coming of the kingdom of God, and uh, and the other was uh, the prophetic uh, idea about the coming of the kingdom of God. One was that the kingdom of God would come through time; it would come. Um, uh, it would come like all other kingdoms come. People would get together subversively and they would rise up and someone would take uh, uh, whatever it took and go and, and snatch the scepter of rulership from Rome uh, militarily and politically and he be declared king. Anybody that was against him, they'd kill them all and this is the pattern over and over and over through the centuries of human history. And so they expected this is how Jesus would take the kingdom. So they were constantly looking uh, for him to finally act in a way that was military and uh, in a way that was uh, with force. Because in, in chronological history, in the era, in the realm, I should say, the environment of time, chronology, this is how kingdoms come. They rise, they rise up from beneath and they overthrow the existing horizontal line of history that is going along. And um, so when Jesus announced the coming of his kingdom in Mark uh, chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, he told them that the time for the kingdom is come. And uh, he said the time, the time, the time is come. But he did not use the word chronos. Very important point. Chronos is the Greek word for time. It's from where we get watches, chronometers, clocks, chronometers. It's where we get chronology, where we have a history of what's happened in time. Um, it, and many other chronological uh, rooted words. Uh, all of them come from the word that we know for time. If we say, what time is it? It's uh, time moves uh, 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 horizontally, so to speak. It moves across the landscape and and it moves in hours and then in minutes and then in seconds and and it ticks its way across. It's, it's predictable. 
uh, and you know if it's 4 o'clock here now in 8 hours down here, it's going to be 12 o'clock. And you can, you can count all of that. And so when Jesus said the time has come, they're thinking chronologically, he's, that means he's come right now, this, this week, this, this day, this month, this, this year. He's here now. But Jesus did not use the word chronos, C-H-R-O-N-O-S. He didn't use the word chronos. He used the word kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S. If you were saying it in Greek, you'd probably say karos. But uh, in English, it's, it's easier for us to say kairos. And so he said the time has come, the kairos is come. And kairos is different. Kairos is an event. Kairos is an event that comes into the flow of time. And it's, it's an occasion. It's something that takes place. And so when he said Kairos, Kairos, think vertically, think coming down. When you think Kronos, you think horizontally, something going across. So in, in Kronos, you have tradition. In Kronos, you have uh, community. In Kronos, you have moors. In Kronos, you have accepted ideas uh, and paradigms, and they're all set, and they've been there. Some of them have been there for centuries, some of them for thousands of years. And some of them are from government. Some of them are from family. Uh, some of them are from schools, so, so forth. And so, uh, and so this establishes the chronological shape of human history. Okay, so now think that it's moving this way with hours and seconds and minutes and so forth. And then, I mean, you can back it up further, centuries and then um, decades and then years and on down. So uh, think in the middle of that of, of a vertical coming, an event, uh, a something coming in, and this is moving along moribund and slowly and, de- and de- in a way that you can anticipate. And then coming into it, something crashes into it. Okay, so this is how the apocalyptic said the kingdom of God is going to come. It's going to crash into it. And Jesus used the word kairos, which indicates that it's going to crash into the accepted thinking that has been established in time. And you can see immediately that it did. The Pharisees freak out about him. His family freaks out about him. Uh, people uh, misunderstand. People are wondering what in the world is he talking about. All of this is going on because because the kingdom of God has not come like they thought it was going to come, and it's come in. It's come crashing in, and it's disruptive. These are all characteristics of that of that of the kingdom of God coming in. The day of the Lord is when the kingdom of God comes in. And so the kingdom of God comes in with the coming of the king, which is Jesus. Uh, and when it, it, when it comes in, these are terms that, that always follow it. It's disruptive. It's unapologetic. It does not apologize for breaking in and, and scattering things. Uh, and this is why um, Egypt is such a good example of this. Uh, they had had slaves for 400 years. Their government had been for many hundreds of years more than that. There were established ways and ideas and laws and traditions and customs that were Egyptian, 
and Egyptian had some slaves. The only problem with Egyptian having slaves is they had the wrong people for slaves because these were a people of destiny. And finally, a day comes that none of them anticipated in which the kingdom of God comes crashing into the history of Egypt. And a man comes up with a word from God that says, let my people go. And when this takes place, it rocks Egypt like it has never been rocked. And a people comes out of there with Egypt complaining the whole time, but they they come out of there. Egypt tries to follow them. But when Kairos hits, when it is a God-given interruption, a, a, a God thing where he comes into that flow and inserts the kingdom of God into uh, the kingdom of chronology. And when that takes place, it's always disruptive. It's, it's always unapologetic. Why is it unapologetic? Because those slaves in Egypt were God's people. And he let them live there, and he let Egypt use them. But when the time came, God said, no, this is my people. And the Egypts are saying, no, these are our slaves. The Egyptians are saying, no, these are our slaves. But God says, no, no, this is my people. You don't even know what you're talking about. I'm taking my people, and I'm using them. So this is what happens in a sinner's life. He comes to the altar. He gets the Holy Ghost. It crashes into his life. He quits drinking. He quits smoking. He quits carousing. God changes him completely. His whole family doesn't even know who he is. And if it's a kid, his parents may be objecting to it. And I've told about people in our church that's got the Holy Ghost and their lives transformed that were dying. They were literally dying. Cirrhosis of the liver and other problems that came from drug addiction and alcoholism. And God saved them and God healed them. But the family that's in the chronology line is terrified. What's happening to them? Have they got in some weird something when they ought to be standing on their head rejoicing because it saved the life of their, of their loved one? And so, so when you talk about, we're going to talk about this some more, but when you talk about the coming of the kingdom of God into earth, it comes pretty noisily and it comes in a way that does not apologize. It is confrontational. It takes over wherever it comes to. It polarizes things. This is how the kingdom of God comes. But, but in its wake, it brings health and strength and robust uh, uh, peace and blessing and things that can never come unless the kingdom of God comes first.